next door brother Three weekend rows of town By turning the whole place upside down Many awake will cause such a fuss It finally wakes the rest of us One man awakes with dawn in his eyes Surely then it multiplies Uh, this morning, we're going to kind of look at that a little bit. Um, my plan was this morning to uh, unpack our four beliefs, which is that uh, we believe everyone belongs, that everyone uh, can live free, that everyone has purpose, and that everyone is significant. And we're going to do a bit of a journey through those four over the next few weeks. Uh, and the, the theme of this series is that you are awakened. You are awakened. Awaken is not a church you, are t- you attend. Awaken is who you are, that we are called to be revival in our cities, in our communities. And, uh, but I got a little bit uh, disrupted myself this week, uh, and I'm not going to be preaching on belonging. I'm going to jump into that next week. I want to I wanna actually set a bit of a platform for us this week. Uh, actually, last night uh, I went to bed, and I just really felt not to preach on belonging uh, because I, I just want to to unpack, um, really, why, why do we have these four values, and, and how, how, how do they tie into us being awakened, and how do they tie into us actually disrupting uh, the systems of the world? Because who knows that the systems of our world are broken? They are failing, and, and we are called to actually disrupt those systems and bring the kingdom of heaven into our world, and uh, we're going to look at that this morning. In, uh, in, this, in the 1700s, there was this uh, revival called the Great Awakening, and that's, uh, that revival and the study of that revival is where our name was birthed from, Awakened City Church. And uh, the Great Awakening was, uh, it was a revival that happened in the 1700s in the English colonies in America, and the movement came at a time when the, the idea of secular rationalism uh, was being emphasized. Re- religion had started to go stale. Uh, and um, Christians were feeling complacent. Um, their methods of, of worship uh, were, were becoming stale and dry. Some were disillusioned with how wealth and rationalism were dominating culture. Um, and there was this philo- philosophical movement happen- happening at the time called the Enlightenment. Has anyone heard of the Enlightenment? Or the Age of Reason uh, was really starting to take hold during this time. And so it was a downplay on, on spirituality, a downplay on religion, and this uh, emphasizing of, 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 of uh, rationalism and the age of reason. And uh, during that time, there were some, some leaders who actually disrupted that system. Uh, people like Whitfield, George Whitfield and, and Jonathan Edwards, and my particular favorite was John Wesley in England. Uh, John Wesley... Uh, the, the revival that was breaking out in, in the 1700s in, in England during this time, uh, there, were, there were other leaders and, and pastors in that that would ask uh, John Wesley, uh, what is it that you're doing? Uh, really, they were asking, what's the formula? You know, like, how are you, how are you doing this? And, and he would say to them is that I, I would get in the secret place with God and catch fire and people would come for miles to watch me burn. That was his formula. He, he was just so uh, overwhelmed with God's presence and the fire of God in his life that people would come for miles to watch him burn. And the, the point, what he was saying is this, and the, the thing that you will see right throughout revival history is that it starts with someone who has a personal revival. It starts with one who has a personal revival and it becomes contagious. 
it, it multiplies and something spreads and takes place. And, and uh, this is what happened and has happened throughout church history and throughout human history. Uh, the thing that sort of birthed our, our vision statement, which is that, that we would see the, the Hutt Valley saturated in the love and hope of Jesus, was that when, uh, when people, as I read about the Great Awakening, it was described as if the whole city was saturated in the love of God. And when I read that, something just sparked inside of me, and I said, that's what I want to see. I, I want to see that in our valley, that this whole valley could be saturated in the love and hope of Jesus. Last week I talked about, or I mentioned, you know, we need to consider what is the end game of the gospel. This gospel of the kingdom, what is the end game of the gospel? And it is not that we get to heaven when we die. That is not the end game of the gospel. That's a benefit of the gospel. The end game of the gospel is not a big church. That's just the exhaust fumes. The end game of the gospel is actually society flourishing. It's humanity flourishing. It's the restoration of all things. It's, it's God's will being outworked on the earth. It's the kingdom of heaven saturating communities. It's Revelation eleven fifteen that the kingdom of God would become the kingdom of this world. That that is the end game of the gospel. It's, it's all things being restored back to the original identity and purpose. It's the reconciliation of relationships, reconciliation of people groups. It's the reconciliation of, of relationships. It's people transformed and communities transformed. That is what God is up to. And we get to be a part of that. That's the Jesus invitation. Come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, and the end game of the gospel was that we would be mature believers who bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. Isn't that cool? That we get to be a part of that? But when we look around at our world right now, we have to realize that we are in the midst of a cultural crisis. Our world is broken, and because our world is broken, we have broken lives, we have broken relationships, we have broken systems. And because of that, we have choice anxiety, anger, exhaustion, fatigue, the constant state of hurry, commitment phobia, anxiety, father wounds, breakdown of family, and it's all masked by this Western I'm a happy, educated person, and it's failing. It's a cultural crisis, and this is our moment. This, this is our moment. This is our 21st century place of revival. This is our great awakening. This is our great awakening. This is, this is our moment, church. Like, are you, are you starting to get a handle on that, that this is actually our moment, I mean, I have been to meetings and, and all sorts of things over the last few years where there has been lament and grief over the fact that in the census, uh, it's saying that, that religion is on the decline, that there are less and less people that are, uh, are part of church families, that there are less and less people that are, uh, are saying that they're Christian. And, and do you know what? I actually, I, I go to those and go, wow, this is like the greatest opportunity that we've ever had. This is our moment. But what does it mean? It means that cultural Christianity is on the decline. That nominal Christianity, that I just tick Christianity on the census is in decline. Whip-de-doo. Come on, I, I, the, the kingdom of God is still advancing on this earth. There is still hope because God is real. Like the kingdom of God is here and there is hope for humanity. And, and if you look throughout uh, revival history, you see that when secularism is at its height, and, and, and the, the tide of faith is going out. 
And this is what we are in right now. The tide of faith is going out. But who knows that when you go and sit at a beach and the waves go out, that the longer the wave goes out, that the more pressure is being built and it comes crashing back in. Come on, the kingdom of heaven is about to come crashing back in. That the tide is about to turn. I believe, I honestly believe, we are on the precipice of revival. I really do. The tides are turning. Secularism has failed. This is our moment. This is our moment. You are awakened and revival starts with you. I just think, you know, is this not the original identity and purpose of humanity to flourish as God's royal representatives and creation's wise overseers? See, this is, this is why we exist. This is why we are alive. This is why you are here. And you might have walked into church this morning. I forgot to say welcome if it's your first time here this morning, but I'm too excited to preach this morning. But welcome. And you might have just walked in this morning or you know, first time coming this morning and you're uh, you know, thinking you guys are crazy. Or, but, but you know, like this, this is why we exist. This is why you exist. You might have walked in this morning looking for something and you didn't even know what it was looking for, but today you found home. Today you found why you are alive. And I'm excited about that. So, so I want to I want to unpack a little bit this morning. Is what what is secularism? I I, I was actually uh, making a coffee this morning and thinking about uh, preaching this morning, and I realized I really struggle to say that word, secularism. I, I actually struggle with it. <laughs> so anyway, I might just sort of fumble my way through that. Anyway, uh, it's because it's broken, so it's just a broken word as it comes out of my mouth. What is secularism? Listen to this. It is the want for utopia without the presence of God. Yeah, it is the want for the kingdom of heaven without a king. Secularism is a system without presence. And it's failing. It has failed our young people. It is failing to answer the deep questions of meaning and purpose. And it's broken. And so we see this narrative all throughout Scripture um, that these systems fail when they are built on our, what I would call our Tower of Babel system of man-made effort and endeavor, but not built on the presence of God. In Genesis 11, we see this, this story about the, the Tower of Babel. And uh, let me read it for you. Just, it's just a few verses. It says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. So what, they've just discovered like new technology. And like, it's almost like when we discover new technology, we think, ah, like we're gonna solve all of the world's issues with this new technology. For them, it was a brick. Like they've discovered the brick and they think they've made it. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel. 
because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now, if you read the whole narrative, you will see that this was actually a rebellion against what God had actually asked them to do. He had actually asked them to spread out. They decided to gather in one place and make utopia without the presence of God. See, our man-made plans fall like sand through our hands. So secularism wants utopia without the presence of God. But we all know, well, I hope you know that, that the absence of the presence of God is utter hell. It has produced isolation, individualism, consumerism, and materialism. I realize now that I don't have a big pulpit to lean on. I don't know what to do with this hand. <laughs> so I've just discovered the problem with this system. So my hand will probably go in my pocket a bit. Is that all right? <laughs> so let's think about this, all right? If you think of secularism as a type of religion, uh, the sin of secularism is this. Uh, anything that gets in the way of my pursuit of happiness. Anything that gets in the way of my pursuit of happiness. And so we, we, we rebel against anything that gets in the way of my pursuit of happiness. So, so uh, any sort of boundaries, uh, any sort of commitment, uh, all, all of this stuff actually, we, we actually becomes sin and secularism because, because it's in the way of, of, my, uh, of my pursuit of happiness. And, and I don't know about you, but if you've got kids <laughs> far out, hey, like... Honestly, <laughs> it's the mantra, there is no God, pursue pleasure. So capitalism is built on this idea. You need more stuff to find happiness. You need more stuff to find fulfillment. And so what is the goal? The goal is to create discontent in the consumer. I need more stuff. I need more stuff to find happiness. And, and it's all based on exterior things. If I could get that, then I would start to find some happiness in my life. If I, if I could just have that new thing or that thing, then I could find some happiness in my life. But we know that contentment is not found in things, but it's in the presence of God. Come on, there's, there is only one thing, and it's not a thing, it's a person in his name, Jesus, that can actually fulfill the heart's desire. The deep longing of the heart can only be fulfilled in the presence of God. Come on, the, the Bible calls us to allow our convictions, not our circumstances, to govern our sense of contentment. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul says that, that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we, have bought, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Come on. What is the fight? The good fight of faith is that we would not fall into the trap of the world saying this is how you get contentment and fulfillment. Come on. The good fight of faith is fixing our eyes on Jesus and saying, in you alone will I find my peace. In you alone will I find my joy. That is the good fight of faith. 
Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Come on, but in our secular society, anything that confronts my happiness is sin. Hard work. Come on, I mean, so many employers these days are saying it's so hard to find good employees that are willing to get up and do a good day's work. Come on, that tough conversation. To actually sit down and be vulnerable and accountable with someone. I mean, that gets in the way of our happiness, doesn't it? Boundaries. It's, this is a broken system, my friends. And unfortunately, sometimes us as believers, as the church, we have married this idea of utopia without the presence of God. Well, the, the prosperity gospel. And when it's a marrying of kingdom principles and a secular, it's all about me thinking. And it's, it's, it's joined those two together. So here at Awaken, we believe these, these three things. These are our three sort of core values. That we believe that everyone belongs, everyone is free, everyone has purpose, and everyone is significant. Now, these are not just nice ideas. I really believe that they were God-given, Holy Spirit-inspired values for us to have as a church. And I'm going to unpack that soon, but I believe as the church, we are the carriers of good news. Anyone else agree with me there? We are the carriers of good news. And this is not just good news about how, how we actually exit this hellhole, but the good news that there is a new king and he, he's bringing the kingdom of heaven to, 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 to actually disrupt this hellhole Come on, and, and to bring life and abundance and, and to bring human flourishing back into our world. We all get to participate in this and receive the benefits of this kingdom, this, this life-giving kingdom. Who, who knows that there is a way that leads to life? It's the narrow path. It leads to the kingdom of heaven, that there is a truth that actually sets us free. So I want to nail down into this just a little bit. Uh, um, the gospel, by the very nature and meaning of the word in its culture and in its time, is, is actually a royal announcement. It's the good news that there is a new king. It's a royal announcement. And Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Believe that the kingdom of heaven is here. Now, now, listen, Jesus was not saying repent and believe that one day I'm going to die on the cross for your sins so that one day you get to go to heaven when you die. That, that wasn't the message he was preaching. Like, think about it logically. He hadn't yet died. That, that wasn't the message that, that he was preaching. See, the cross is not even the end of the gospel. It's extremely important, yes. Extremely important. Without the cross... Uh, we would not have the freedom that we have. We would still be enslaved to the powers of sin. The cross is incredibly important. But, but this, this gospel of the kingdom is actually a royal announcement about the enthronement of a king. That the end of the gospel or the full fulfillment of the gospel is actually Jesus' ascension. That was his royal enthronement on his throne at the right hand of God. That was when he sat down as king, and as the redeemer of this world. Yeah. 
So please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not diminishing the work of the cross. Without the cross, we would still be enslaved to the power of sin. We would still stand guilty. Our, our hearts would be unredeemed. And, and, and without the power of the resurrection, we would not have the newness of life through Christ. All, all of this stuff is really important. But all of these are actually brought about for God's mission on the earth. Come on, he needs redeemed people to redeem the world. He needs redeemed people to redeem the world. So I, I say all of this to really sort of nail down into, into why we exist. Why are we here? Church, we are living in a cultural crisis. We, we have to be aware of the times that we are in. In 1 Chronicles 19, it talks about the sons of Issachar, or the men of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what to do. Church, do you understand the times? Do you, do you know what we need to do in these times? We, we cannot for, afford to be ignorant of our age, which, let's be honest, is the age of anxiety, the age of hurry, the age of self, self-indulgence, self-loathing, self-promotion. It's all about self, self, self. Me, myself, and I. What can I get for me? I'm, I'm only out for me. And we also have to understand that the gospel of the kingdom is the hope for humanity. It is the answer to our cultural crisis. And in this age of anxiety, what if the church was called to be the non-anxious presence of Jesus? Could we be the non-anxious presence of Jesus in our communities when everybody is anxious? When everyone is struggling with choice anxiety, we've got so many options that we're having anxiety about which options to choose. It's crazy. Well, we've got so many restaurants, hey? It's like, where should we go out for a meal? And we spend like an hour thinking about, because we've got so many options. For us and our family, it's just, well, we just go to Boneface. But so, yeah. <laughs> it's honestly, this is the best food. <laughs> So what is the hope for humanity? It, it is not, it's not a political party with the right policies. See, we, we, we have to understand that there are broken systems at play here. And, and both the, the liberal progressive left and the capitalist consumer right are both actually producing the same type of broken systems and the same type of broken people. the same kind of broken cultures, which are individualism, materialism, and consumerism. See, actually, I believe that following Jesus, if we, if we are truly following Jesus, both the left and the right will hate us. Did you know that the, the left, so we've got the liberal left, your left, <laughs> all right, the, the capitalist, consumeristic right. Actually, they've done studies. I was just reading about it uh, over the weekend. They've done studies, and they actually represent about 10% of the population. About 10%. But they have the highest voice in social media, and they actually also have the highest voice in, in advertising. Right? And so, so we think that they, have the, they, that they are the majority. And do you know what they call the majority? The exhausted majority. 
the exhausted majority that think that they have been forced into choosing one side of two extremes. And, and honestly, we, I, that, I don't know about you, but that hit me like a ton of bricks realizing that because we, we are just so filled and overwhelmed with these ideas that the left and the right are the majority. They are not. And the kingdom of heaven is the third option. And there is an exhausted majority out there that is looking for hope, that is looking for an answer that will bring them life and bring them hope. And guess what? It's in you. See, individualism is at an all-time high. In progressive cities around the world, the most common, listen to this, the most common household type is people living on their own. That is the most common household type, people living on their own. They are isolated and they are, they are lonely and they are struggling with life. In Japan, they are starting to re-engineer their welfare system to support people living on their own because that is where the most anxiety and depression and all of that stuff is happening. Isn't that crazy? It is insane. See, it's all about me, me, me. Give me more options. I, if I could just have more options, I would be happy. If I could just find that utopia, if I could just have everything I want, then I would finally be happy. I, I, I am my own God. It's this kind of thinking that happiness is ultimately about external circumstances. And we have Instagram, hey, like Instagram and TikTok and all of those things that, that are just painting this picture and perpetualizing this this, this thing that says, if you could just be like me, then you would be finally happy. And, and young people, please, like, listen to me, young people. When you look at Instagram and you look at all these people and you think, man, they, if I could just be like them, that is not speaking to your value. It's not speaking to your inadequacy. It is speaking to a broken system. The system is broken, not you. You are valued. You are loved. You are worthwhile. Come on, we have to disrupt this system. Come on, church. See, your answer is the kingdom of heaven, the only thing that can't be outlawed. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. These things cannot be outlawed. So I say all of this to point to the reality that the flourishing of humanity is intrinsically intertwined with what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, and why we are here. I, I want to give you a, just a little uh, illustration this morning. I, I was re recently listening to um, a podcast, um, and it's called This Cultural Moment. I'd encourage you, if, if any of this stuff interests you, honestly, get the, like, listen to the podcast. I have just consumed it all, all weekend. But I, so I, as I was listening to this podcast, they were ex explaining some studies that have been done about, about human nature uh, and all of that sort of thing. And they discovered that, um, that there are three things that are really key for humans to flourish, for us to flourish as, as humans. And, and who knows that that is ultimately what God wants. He, he wants humanity to flourish. 
It's the Garden of Eden coming back again. It's the restoration of all things, new creation, new life, humanity flourishing. There are three things that they said. And when they said it, my, I, my jaw dropped because I realized that these are our three values, our three key values that produce significance. They said that people need belonging. They need community. This, they, they, it's something they absolutely need. They need freedom. And they, they need a sense of meaning. They need purpose. Yep, so all of us intrinsically with, built within us is this need for belonging, that we belong to a family. This, this idea that we are actually free, that there is nothing that enslaves us and that uh, we have meaning and purpose in life. And so I want you to think about them like tanks. Like these are tanks. Has anyone ever said or heard someone say, oh, my tank is just empty right now? Yeah, my tank is empty. Now, now we know, because we've talked about this a, a fair bit, that the source of these three things is not found in church. It's not found in others, but it is in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, he is the source. All right? He is the source. You will not find belonging through uh, just through people. It's obviously, it's intertwined with, with community and being in relationships, but he is the source ultimately. And so if, I want you to think about these three tanks, and I've got some water over here. And, and so we need, we need these things to be filled for us to flourish. Oopsie daisy. Hey, settle down. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing, all right? I've got a bit of iceberg. So we've got belonging, freedom, and purpose. These are all really important. In our Western society, we, we have an overwhelming overabundance of freedom. Options, options, options. Like, so secularism would define freedom as options. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. Come on, you can do. And so this is what happens. In our society, we are overwhelmed with freedom and we have anxiety about it. But here's the thing. If you want belonging and community, if you want meaning and purpose, you have to learn how to manage your freedom. Options, options, options. Come on, it, it, you, we have to learn how to manage our freedom. Come on, look, look at our children. They do not know how to manage their freedom. and we are overwhelmed. You want community and belonging? It's going to cost you. You have to turn up. You have to be seen. You want meaning and purpose? It's got to stop being about you. So in, in the Western world, secularism says that freedom is options. In the kingdom of heaven, freedom is laying down your life. I'm going to lay down my life so that I can actually have a life of meaning and purpose. Come on. Freedom. Paul defines freedom as, as being willing to serve others. He said, well, we're going to jump into this big time when we get into freedom. But honestly, freedom in the kingdom is the total opposite to freedom in our Western secular society. 
and we have to learn how to manage our freedom. Come on, I can make, honestly, I can make as much money as I wanted right now. I, I could go and work a second job. Tomorrow, I could get a second job. I could get a third job. I could consume my life with getting money, with success, with all of that, but I have to manage my freedom so that my family get the benefits of community and belonging. Come on, church, we have, if we are going to show the world what it means to actually demonstrate the kingdom of heaven, we have to learn how to manage our freedom. And, and we, you know, how is this leaked into church culture? I mean, come on, we have options, 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 options. Oh, I don't like this church, I'll go to that church. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't like this program, I'll go to that program. Like, we, we can't even manage to all get together. On a Sunday, you know what I mean? Like, because we, we're not good at, we are actually not good at managing our freedom. We need the fruit of the Spirit, which is what? Self-control. The ability to actually discipline ourselves is actually a kingdom principle. It's part of living and participating in the kingdom. I hope that was as mind-blowing for you as it was for me. Whoa! So let me move that out of the way. All right. So over the next three weeks, we're going to explore these things from a biblical perspective. All right? Because remember again, what is secularism? It's the desire for these things, these three things outside of the presence of God. All right? We have to flip the script and see how does the kingdom of heaven say that we, we belong? How does the kingdom of heaven say that we find freedom? And how does the kingdom of heaven say that we have uh, meaning and purpose? All right. We doing okay? So what's the answer? It's, what's the answer? It's revival. If we want corporate revival, it has to start with personal revival. We've got to get back to the simplicity of following Jesus. The simplicity of spiritual disciplines. Come on, like, spiritual disciplines are out the, out the window. Why? Because we can't manage our freedom. I mean, we just did 21 days of fasting, prayer and fasting. Most of the prayer meetings was a few people. Why? Because we can't manage our freedom. We're too busy. And you might say, Michael, that's mean. Uh, no, it's reality. You want to flourish? You've got to learn to manage your freedom. We, we, we are hardwired for belonging. It is inbuilt into us. And if, if we can't manage our freedom... We, we actually just start to blame others for our sense of, of missing out on that. I, um, out, out there is a booklet called Build, and it has some stuff on spiritual disciplines. It's a booklet we put together a few years ago. Um, two people last week came up to me and said it was life-changing for them as they read through that. Um, and so I encourage you, the booklets are out there. Get one of those. Have a look through. 
And last week we talked about getting into a squad. I, I have found uh, joining up with my, with my squad uh, every week just so refreshing. Um, and just spending time with some people. It's not around a Bible study or anything like that. We're reading scripture during the week, but just getting together with other people to, to get out of the busyness of life and just stop and pray together and encourage one another is so life-giving. Uh, someone reflected back to us uh, as they've been in a squad. They said, uh, this, I, they, I can't remember exactly how they, how they put it, but basically they said, this was the thing that I was hungry for and I never knew it. We are, we are hardwired to be in community. We are hardwired to be, to be uh, in the presence of God. Our hearts long for it. And if we are going to demonstrate to the world the kingdom of heaven, we, we have to realign ourselves and actually just get back to the simplicity of following Jesus. It's not complicated. It's really not. And remember, as soon as we do that, the, the wind of the Spirit. Come on, as, as we turn towards following Jesus, it's like putting up the sails and the wind of the Spirit catches our sails. Come on, it's, it's, it's the simple gospel. It's beautiful and it's life-giving and it's refreshing. But we have to learn to manage our freedom. I just want to finish um, this morning... Um, just with a video, um, and then we're going to pray. I really felt this morning that it's important that we pray together. Um, so let's watch this. Hope, hope it will encourage you. Another second one awakes his next door brother. Three awake and rise the town and turn the whole place upside down. Many awake will cause such a fuss. It finally wakes all of us. One man awakes with dawn in his eyes. Surely then it multiplies. Surely then it multiplies.
walls are down by turning the whole place upside down. Many awake will cause such a fuss. It finally wakes the rest of us. One man awakes with dawn in his eyes. Surely then it multiplies. It's cool, eh? That song is a poem that was written during the Great Awakening. Just starts with one. Just one person. Just one. I'll just, uh, why, why don't you stand and we'll, we'll just pray. Um, I was chatting with a friend this week who's a pastor in Christchurch. And... Uh, he has been working with some, uh, some young people who have tried to take their life recently and working with some other community agencies uh, to do that. And he said it's the first time he's been, he was a youth pastor for years as well, so he's had to deal with this situation lots of times. But he said that the community agencies, for the first time in his life, he's heard them say, we don't have the answers. For years it's been, we don't want to know about what you think. We've got all the answers. We know how to fix society. Actually, the tide is turning and they're saying, we don't have the answers. And this is our moment. It's our moment. We, we carry the answer on the inside of us. And it's time to actually catch the wave. Amen? Yeah. Come on, it's coming crashing back, and let's pray. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for your presence. Yeah, Holy Spirit, without you, we are we're lost. God, without your presence, this is all nothing. And we know that it's only your presence, it's only your spirit that can actually meet the needs of the human heart. And we live in this age and this time where all of humanity is crying out, crying out for hope, for love, Father, I, I pray that our hearts would be awakened to know that this is our moment. This is our time. To be bold, to be courageous, not, not to shrink back, but to know that, there, that what is burning on the inside of us is actually what humanity is crying out for. So Holy Spirit, would you visit us again? Oh, we need your fire. Yeah, we need your spirit. We need, we, we need the wind, the, the fresh breath of your spirit in our lungs. Because without you, this is, without you, we're just playing games. And we're not here to play games. Yeah, we're here to see a city turned on its head. We thank you that you just need one. But I pray that we would be more than just one. Holy Spirit, would you empower us with the fruits of the Spirit, that we would have self-discipline, to actually manage our freedom, 
to serve others, to manage our freedom, to, to do things that bring life into our souls. I just pray right now that you would just bless every person here. Pray for a fresh infilling of your spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.